available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12, football, lots going on in the world of college football and sporting around the globe So we'll talk about the coronavirus outbreak and what it means for all the Pac-12 schools going forward, all the spring sports being canceled, spring games, pro days, all of that. So we'll talk about that at the top, and then we'll get into our previews. Even though we don't know if spring practice is going to continue, we do want to talk about these teams, each team in the offseason. So we're going to bring in Andrew Machado to talk about uh, the Beavers, and we'll talk to our very own David Woods about the UCLA Bruins, who did start uh, practice a couple weeks ago. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us, pac12podcast at gmail.com, or you could call or text us at 424-532-0678. We haven't had a voicemail. Well, yeah, I think we had a text last week, but send us a voicemail. Email us, guys. We only got a couple question emails this week, Dave. We need more questions. We need more questions. If you don't send questions, we're just going to stop doing this. Do you understand? Yeah. yeah. This is a threat to everyone out there. Maybe it's because the Reddit page is open now. We had someone, we had like a conspiracy theory post on the Reddit page. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, yeah, I was did. I was trolling the Reddit a little bit. Uh, yeah. 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 Our Reddit page is reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. But you could tweet us at Pac-12 podcast. People were asking about the show yesterday. So that's good. Uh, and I tweeted out that we were uh, delaying it and we're doing it on a Tuesday. And the website where you can find all the shows is pac12podcast.com. You can subscribe and rate us. Five stars are always appreciated. Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, any place you can get a podcast, you can find the podcast of champions. And we do love the reviews, but we love the questions too because we want to make this interactive. I guess we've got three more weeks of previews because we'll do two a week. Now we're not really in a hurry because... Are they really previews? We are calling our previews. But now there's no spring, but well, at least we don't know. There could be spring football like delayed, right? It could be sometime over the summer. We just know that right now everything's canceled or postponed or whatever. These feel more like eulogies. <laughs> um, so Dave is more of the doom and gloomer when it comes oh, I'm, to. I'm, I don't think that should be a shock to anyone that I'm going full doomer with this entire thing. He's like, we could be in our houses for two years. And like, I don't think that's going to be the case. Well, I want to be, I want to be completely and abundantly clear with everyone out there. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. I have spent two days of my first grader being out of school, um, but still apparently required to learn stuff because first grade's like a, a quote important time to be learning. Um, so I'm doing like two jobs 
while like trying to like walk her through worksheets that she's supposed to do when she's home. It's a living hell. And I've got another three-year-old just kind of wandering around <laughs> as three-year-olds are wont to do. Just wandering, falling into stuff, falling over. Like I'm starting to like, honestly, like being around her so much as she's like wandering around my house, I'm like starting to think, are you, do you have like a depth perception issue? You just keep falling. What's going on? <laughs> Well, so that's where I am. That's where I am mentally. Things are going well. Uh, yeah, what, I think when you have kids like that, it's got to be tough because, you know, you you it's nice that you can have the ability to work from home. I know not everybody can do that, but man, it's like the people that do can work from home, but you have kids, you're supposed to be raising the kids as well. It's like, Jesus, that's that's tough. Yeah, no, and like normally I'd be like very sensitive to like, oh yeah, I've got it pretty good because I still have a job and the whole thing. But like, like everyone's going through their own personal hell right now in some form or facet. I know Ryan's posting his like workouts and apparently living his best life on Instagram. The rest of us are struggling. It's fine. Go ahead and bitch about it. I'll listen to you. You all get to listen to me. It's gonna be okay. Um living my best life on Instagram. Uh, oh my God. This guy just posted, Hey, just did this nice little workout, you know, 20 minutes of burpees. It's like, <laughs> come on, buddy, whatever. I'm just well, trying to get, I'm just trying to get through this day without food on my shirt. That's all. <laughs> it was a hard workout too. Oh, I um, bet. Yeah. No, it looked really strenuous. Like the sun coming into your bedroom. Just like, ah, oh, and that looks great. It poured awesome. down. It was raining here pretty hard this morning. And then there, oh, like, I, it was like, then there was rainbows in Hermosa Beach. It was great. Um, not that I saw it in person. I saw them all on the pictures on Instagram. Uh, all right. So this, so at the PAC 12 made that announcement and you know, everything's canceled. Uh, I think every other conference has followed suit. I think the SEC finally did today. I think it was a little bit later from that, but you're not going to see, spring practice. I mean, obviously you're not going to see any kind of sporting events. So our point of the, these next you know few weeks of shows, we were going to preview slash recap the early parts of spring football. I, David, I maybe disagreed a little bit on this. I still wanted to go through, talk to every publisher, you know, since we're doing that and we've already started some of the publishers, you know, we'll talk to Angie. They've had some practices. I think going forward, they might have one practice or so, and that's going to be about it. And then some of them, you know, some of the schools haven't started practice yet. So those will be kind of more previews, but we don't know what we're pre like. We might be previewing nothing, It's but it's more about like, hey, what's happened during the off season? And, you know, is it what's the optimism going into the season? If there is one, like Dave likes to point out. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I'm kind of <laughs> what's the optimism going into the season? None. There will be no season. Yeah. That's about the most pessimistic take you can have. So at least I'm starting from a good baseline. You, you can't get much more pessimistic. Some of the USC fans, um, I posted something like, and, and there's a lot of the fans that just hate Clay Helton. And you could post anything like, hey, Clay Helton came up with a virus, you know, a, 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 you know, whatever, a, a, a virus fighting. You know, what, what do they call it? What are, An antidote. No, not a, uh, a vaccine. A vaccine. Is that the word we're looking for? We're looking for that word. Oh, it's cool. been a long day. Uh Clay Alton came up with a vaccine for the coronavirus and they would still be like, yeah, they're not going to be Bama. Like they don't care. Like they just, they, it doesn't matter what he does. And they've done, I think the athletic department's done some good things in the off season. And I wrote a piece about that, 
but their momentum got squashed. You know, they, they finished the basketball season strong and they had a buy in the tournament. And then that all get goes away. They would have made the NCAA tournament. So they don't get a chance to do that. Um, USC brought in some exciting new coaches. You know, there's always optimism in the spring. They're probably going to tackle and practice for once and they can't show anyone that. So there's all these things that kind of happen that, you know, they don't, they don't get to kind of showcase. And they really were trying to win back a lot of the fans because a lot of them canceled their season tickets. So they were trying to do some things in the off season to get people excited again. And this sort of throws all of that uh, off as far as pessimism goes. But we had a bunch of, the point is a bunch of USC fans were like, I know how this is going to go. Like the season's going to be delayed and USC won't have to play Alabama. That means they'll get the, they won't, ha- they won't get that guaranteed loss. And then Clay Helton will be retained. It's like, there's a lot of pessimism out there. So I, I know well, I'm try, uh, trying to be honestly, honest. if there's, if there's one upside of um, football season getting canceled um, and, you know, us having to be in quarantine for at least 18 months, it's that um, at least, you know, Clay Helton will be safe from you crazy USC people and your unholy demands of him. He's doing such a great job and he'll get another year as the head coach if uh, if there's no season. So I'm obviously pulling for that because, you know, I ride or die with Clay Hilton. So I'm going to give let's do like a little hot take. It just like this is kind of a hypothetical. Um, sure. You have a you have to take a year off. So we've seen this happen like when there's like world wars and stuff for for seasons like you just have to, you know, if you watch the league of their own, the, the women got to play for a while, they wouldn't have anything like that, but if you had to take a year off, like so it's a terrible situation. What would the coaching carousel be like after that year? Because you would learn a lot about which schools you're just waiting for the buyout to reduce. USC could be one of them. Like that's another year that, you know, it's off the books and the new athletic director came in late in the process. If he had a whole year that he didn't have to worry about the season and he could try to find a new coach, would you make a move? Are there other places in the country where, hey, the buyout was, you know, would Kevin Sumlin be like, oh, you know, at Arizona? Like, I mean, I, I think the, the reality is you probably wouldn't see many changes at all because it's not it's not like it's a controlled experiment. If, if everyone is quarantined for 18 months, there will be such drastic ramifications for literally every facet of society, including universities, where, guess what? Nobody's going to be paying tuition to go online for a year at USC or U- UCLA or whatever. Like, they're just, the okay, well, I guess I'm taking a year off. Like, they're yeah. not going to do it. Um, so these schools are going to hit a real fiscal speed bump. There's going to be no new spending whatsoever um so no there's a lot of ramifications if that ends up happening and hopefully it does not and hopefully um they can either get a vaccine very quickly or somehow um suppress the hell out of this for a couple of months and and somehow eradicate it but that seems unlikely um, for, so well okay so for like baseball you can start it late you have 162 games right Mm-hmm. Uh, basketball, you could take some, you could take a couple of months off and still be fine. You get, you play a lot of games. What could you take off for college football? Could you take September off and still have a college football season? It's almost like if you take any games off, you might as well cancel the season. Is that college? Yeah. College sports are not super flexible because they're all tied to like other calendars, academic calendars, various other things that it's just, I think it's just too hard to work it. 
Um, I think you could maybe get a get you could maybe adjust the football season like a couple of weeks. Um, but I don't know. I, I think anything beyond that, and you're you're getting into some weird stuff. Yeah, our um, Dan Weber on our Peristyle podcast talked about he'd like to see the NCAA kind of adjust their schedule because now most athletes are taking summer classes. Could you see some of the pro, you know, some of the sports kind of go over the summer as well or start in the summer, you know, maybe kind of adjust it a little bit. I don't know if you thought about that. You can't be... do football. You can't do football in the summer. No, but That's I mean, other, some hot. of the other, sports, some of the other sports like that, maybe you start them early or different or, or let them go later or, or something like that, where you actually are playing in the summer um, because most student athletes are taking classes in the summer anyway. You can't let sports extend into the summer because of graduation. Like guys just aren't going to stick around. Um, but maybe starting earlier with some of the other fall sports um, might make sense. I think for football, it's just it's you. You just can't. It's just too damn hot in too many areas of the country to play in August with any okay. regularity. I mean, even even September is pretty bad in the South. And I mean. When can Arizona? When can the Arizona schools like legally start their games before dark? Like, isn't it into October before they can actually do it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's just ramifications if you start it too early, and and I think then you're having yeah you're having all fall camp in like deep July and and August heat. I don't know. That seems tough. That seems really yeah. tough. But maybe for the other sports, it might make sense. All right. Um, any other coronavirus talk we need to uh, go over? Are we? No. I mean, I could talk about it for the next several days. Because um, again, I am going full doomer and educating myself about literally everything regarding it, and it's it, it's nothing. Any nobody needs to travel down that path with me right now. Yeah. Now there's some the NCAA could grant eligibility relief for. Uh, some of the sports, so you know, a lot of the seniors that got their, you know, their sports, a lot of the Olympic sports, especially canceled. Um, you know, there could be some relief there. Uh, they originally, up until this past weekend, they suspended all competitions, but the Pac-12 announced it was on Saturday, I believe, all spring uh, sports competitions and championships uh, were canceled. So, um, you know, they're going to revisit the team activity stuff. Uh, all the organized team activities are are suspended until March 29th, so they'll take a look at that as well. But all those championships and stuff are are, are gone, so no pro days, uh, none of that stuff. I mean, they're still going to do the NFL draft, but I think it's it was going to be in Vegas, which how fun would that have been? Um, they're not going to do that now. Obviously, the Pac-12 tournament, they got the first round in, but then when the bot, you know, for the next week, all that was gone. Um, I don't know it's just. It's, there's been so many crazy times in sports, but this has got to be, you know, the craziest. And it started with like the Rudy Gobert, like touching all the microphones, getting the coronavirus, NBA NBA canceling their season, which pretty much opened up anything else. Like if like if the NBA is going to cancel their season, your kids' elementary school can get closed. You know, so well, that's the thing is we we are like societally we are not in any way used to such a disruptive event. Like people keep comparing it to 9-11 and I guess it's because it's the closest touchstone, but nowhere close. Like 9-11 was nowhere close to this. Um, this is, it's this, you said it was the strangest time in sports. It's the strangest time in anything. Yeah. In pick a thing, it's the strangest time in living memory for 
anybody who wasn't alive during World War II, because that's really the closest you're going to get to this. Something that actively disrupts everything in your life for an extended period of time. And at the end of it, whatever's going to emerge is going to be wholly different in one way or another. Like, just think about simply Vegas. You mentioned Vegas. Uh, they're having to shut down all the casinos, right? So say this goes on for a few months. Like, what does it take for them to spool back up? Like, to yeah. rehire all their workers, take them off furlough. What what have those people gone and done? Um, get all the staffing back in order. Like, figure all that. Have people booking trips again. Like, I, they're going to lose billions of dollars. And are they going to go under? Are, like, is Vegas going to become a ghost town? Like, what's going to happen to all of this stuff? Um, you know, we've built a society so much off of effectively useless consumer-based goods and services, all of which we're now realizing are useless and you don't need them and they're being shuttered and eventually we're going to just have basically grocery stores and medical offices and banks open, as most countries around the world have started to do. Um, at least for a period of time, what happens? Like, what no. happens to all those businesses? What happens, you know, if that's not three months, but it's six months or eight months or ten months? It's just going to it's gonna be a wholly different world at the end of it. Um, it We're not used to those crazy changes. But as a, as a society, I think just everyone on the planet, I mean, there's some resiliency there. And you can look at, oh, this is going to happen. And all these people are, are going to die. It's like, well, some people will. And some businesses will will suffer, and and but a lot of times, just somehow it, it you know you find a way, and it, and things kind of bounce back, and maybe it's a little different. Well, whoever and, lives will find a way, because by <laughs> definition they will have lived. That but I mean, found a with, way with the you know the travel industry just getting crushed. There's a lot of people. I feel. I mean, we're very lucky because of our you know our positions, like you know, if we're covering sports online, it's online. You know, I, I'm by myself in an office. Dave's in his house. Uh, we can still do a podcast or you can still write a story. Um, you know, we're lucky in that respect. And a lot of people can't, you know, if you're dealing with travel or, or whatever, I mean, there's, it, it's just not, there's not a lot of opportunities. We've seen a lot of people lose their jobs and businesses suffer and it's terrible. Uh, but you know, there's things that tend to bounce back and, uh, you, you kind of find a way to get it world, you know, good at rolling. If it's a couple of months off, it's it's tough, but then a lot of ways, a lot of times you can you can find a way through that or something new comes up. But it's uh, it's yeah. But you're right. We've never seen anything like this. It's it's not it's not a single strike like a, a you know a crushing earthquake happens once. It's like this rolling effect that's going to keep going and going and going. Maybe like a big earthquake with a whole bunch of aftershocks, and you're just not sure what's going to be standing at the end and how quickly you'll be able to rebuild any of it if, if you can. Yeah, it's I mean, it's 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 World War Two. It's um, people um, having to ration people having to, you know, go into not just here, but worldwide, but like people having to go into like basically lockdown, like these sorts of situations and then retooling an entire economy around fighting this particular thing like it's. Yeah, it's societally changing. So, well, anyway, let's continue with our sports podcast. Yeah, we can continue that. <laughs> One little other note from our buddy John Wilner. Um, there was a story. Uh, so you remember Utah cornerback uh, Jalen Johnson? He was an all-conference player. So he actually played through a shoulder injury the entire 2019 season. Um, so things like that come out and you know could affect his his draft stock. It could probably help his draft stock. I'm curious what, you know, we've had the combine. 
But those pro days are really a great opportunity for guys that maybe didn't get invited to the combine to kind of show their skills. And now they're not going to be able to do that. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm curious how this impacts, uh, the, the draft because it's going to be a lot about game tape, which maybe is not a bad thing. Um, uh, then, you know, then the, the individual workouts that these teams like to, uh, check out. Yeah. Yeah. You don't care. Yeah. No, I, I don't forgot. Care. David doesn't care about that. He's not going to comment on any of that. Um, all right. Well, let's move on. We're going to do, uh, so first up, we are going to preview the UCLA Bruins. And uh, we'd like to welcome in to the show. Uh, does a great job covering the UCLA Bruins for Bruin Report Online right here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, follow him on Twitter at David David Woods. David Woods on the show. Thanks for uh, coming on, sir. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Ryan. <laughs> you know, I love getting that kind of welcome. It's just great to be here. I'm very optimistic, like talking about, uh, you know, Chip Kelly and everything he's got going on at UCLA. It's going to be an exciting season. I assume, um, you know, it's, it's going to be like a tale of two podcasts here, right? Or two segments of the podcast because you got Oregon State. I'm sure they haven't done very well in the last couple of years. And UCLA, they must. I mean, it's UCLA. They must Been have. Been killing so, it. Yeah. Been so, killing it. Must have, but I'd probably have a much better and record. By, and by it, I mean all fan interest in the program whatsoever. <laughs> um, we talked earlier about, you know, USC kind of losing some momentum. They, you know, they were a struggling team that went eight and four, or whatever, in the, in the regular season. What about a team like UCLA that you're trying to kind of win the fans back over and build on that? Do you, do you think there's a, a different challenge for a team that's really trying to kind of win fans back because you've had a couple of bad seasons in a row? Well, I don't think UCLA's challenge is best described as winning fans back. I think their challenge is is um, more oriented around just just maybe win more than four games. Um, uh-huh. Like see if you can start there. Um, and if you do that, maybe you'll win some fans back. Um, but no, I mean, we're going to talk with Angie. And, and one thing that stood out to me about Oregon state was they, they've also gone seven and 17 over the last two years, the same as UCLA, but it's an entirely different tenor around that program. I mean, Chip Kelly is, he's put himself in a position where if, say the season does go on and it's bad enough, he could get fired. I mean, and that's a crazy thing to say, but it could happen um, after three seasons. Um, And that's if it goes bad enough. And I think bad enough is basically any losing season without some severe mitigating circumstances. Um, Like if they go four and eight again, and it's not because, you know, half the team, you know, got hurt or whatever, um, I just I can't see them. I can't see there there being a tremendous amount of willpower to keep him. Now maybe UCLA's fiscal situation plays into it to some degree, but um, the I mean the the fan interest, donations, all that stuff will be just completely in the tank. Yeah. Um, well, I gave you a little like I I do these little cheat sheets that uh, you know. I'm just going to say Dave didn't fill it out. You know, it's not like we're partners. We've been doing this for five years and looking for a little help or something. No, he doesn't do that. No. Um, wait, let's maybe we'll, let's go on the offensive side. Sure. Uh, some of the biggest losses, guys like Joshua Kelly, Theo Howard mm-hmm. transferring mm-hmm. out. Uh, is Devin Asiasi gone or is he still around? Devin Asiasi is gone. Okay, so um, offensively, I think the best way to think about it, um, UCLA lost. 
Starters-wise, um, Joshua Kelly and Boss Tagaloa to graduation. Um, so that's the starting running back and the starting center. Uh, they also lost um, rising sophomore guard Chris Murray. Or he, he was going to be a junior. So that would be a rising junior guard uh, Chris Murray, who had started every game of his first two years to transfer. And that's like straight transfer, not grad transfer. Um and they also lost uh, Devin Asiasi, um, and that was, um, you know, losing him with a year of eligibility, but still, he, he had a pretty good year, so that's fine. Um, and then also tight end Jordan Wilson, who grad transferred. Um, so they are losing kind of quite a bit, especially in the tight end room. Uh, they lost effectively four tight ends from their depth chart um, between Asiasi, Wilson, uh, former quarterback Matt Lynch, who had transitioned over to tight end, um, and then uh, Josh Harris, who was probably never going to play, but um, was at least a depth guy. So UCLA had kind of built an offense where they used a lot of tight ends. Um, like there were formations where there were like three or maybe even four tight ends on the field. Um, and now they basically in spring, they've been down to one scholarship tight end. Wow. So that's not great. Um, so that's that's kind of offensively. And then defensively, um, lost basically every starting linebacker. Um, so that's Chris Barnes, Lokenito Aloa, um, Keyshawn Luster South. Um, and then in addition to that, they lost Darnay Holmes, um, starting cornerback, um, who uh, left early for the NFL draft. So pretty good amount of losses on both sides of the ball. Um, not a ton of continuity um, at some key spots, but there are some guys returning. Um, it's not going to be bereft of, of guys who have familiarity in, in the system, but it is going to be some different phases and some key spots. So maybe let's go over some of the, the key returners on, on offense. Dorian Thompson Robinson, obviously a quarterback, but who are some of the weapons or linemen that can uh, help him out? Yeah, um, I would say the the lineman to, to know the name of is um, tackle Sean Ryan. Um, he's He was a true freshman starter at left tackle. He'll uh, anchor um, the line again this year. Um Otherwise, I would say Kyle Phillips at wide receiver um, really developed some consistency last year, um, became kind of a go-to guy. He and Dorian Thompson-Robinson really appear to have a connection. Um, there aren't a ton of, like when you're looking at it, there's not a ton of star power in that offensive group. Um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is also still work in progress, major work in progress. Um, the jury's still out on whether he's going to be a, you know, even a top half of the Pac-12 type quarterback. Um he really wasn't there consistently last year. He had that one really big game against Washington State, a couple other nice performances, but also a lot of subpar performances. Um, he's not. Re- Chip Kelly basically said, you know, Dorian's my guy, more or less, in the the three days of, of spring ball. Um, but I'm really interested to see if if and when fall camp is um, is a go. Uh, if Colson Yankoff can push him, um, he's the transfer from Washington. Um, who looked okay this spring. Um, not as live an arm as Dorian Thompson-Robinson, but can really move. Um, and, you know, maybe he's a better decision maker. We'll see. Um, but I'm interested to see if, if Thompson-Robinson can really get pushed here because um, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't had the level of development that you would have liked to this point. Uh, let's switch to the defensive side of the football. Uh, missing guys like Chris Barnes and Darnay Holmes are big losses, but uh, who's who's around? Who's uh, who are some of the players that USC? I mean, uh, USC Pac-12 fans should watch for um, as far as on UCLA on the defensive side of the ball. 
Sure. Um, I would say defensive lineman Osa Digazua is uh, remains probably UCLA's best player, um, certainly on defense. Um, he's really good interior pass rusher. Um, he's good against the run. Good getting after the quarterback. Um, he'll. He's also like pound for pound. He's one of those like really strong guys. Like you know, they always say pound for pound, whatever. Um, but he, uh, he he's really really strong. Um, safety Quentin Lake was banged up last year. Um, I think when he's fully healthy, he's going to be a, a, a one of the top safeties in the league. Um, it's going to be just a lot of new faces at linebacker and. Nobody knows what that's going to look like. Bo Calvert is going to come in as uh, kind of the the takeover guy for Chris Barnes, and we just haven't seen a whole lot from him. He was out for most of last year. Um, I think it was a disciplinary thing. Um, so remains to be seen what we'll see out of him. Um, but it's a lot of new faces, and it's a new defense. Um, UCLA is kind of you know keeping up with the Joneses a little bit more and going to more of a four-two-five nickel defense. Um, it's hard to really know. I mean, we're watching spring and it could be a three, three, five or a four, two, five. Um, one of their new coaches, the defensive backs coach, Brian Nor- Norwood from Navy, they ran a four, two, five there. And briefly on his Twitter profile, he had himself listed as co-defensive coordinator at UCLA. Um, but then he changed it because I don't think they want him to publicly have that title, but it's, there's a pretty good idea that he's having a lot of influence on defensive changes. Um, uh-huh. but they, the they haven't made a for... change at DC though, right? No, no, no. And he's it, what his title actually is, is passing game coordinator, which is a weird title for a defensive backs coach. Um, but in reality, I think he's probably having a, a pretty substantial role, um, in that defensive room. Um, and they're doing more before two five, I think with an angle at getting more pass rush out there, um, getting somebody, you know, more often pressed up against the line on that right side. Um, but we'll see how that turns out. Um, they're really, really trying to emphasize getting some pass rush and it just remains to be seen. Who's going to be that guy off the edge. You, uh, you talked about Chris Murray going to the transfer portal. Um, were there other guys? I know there's a bunch of guys that left any incoming guys or any other big names that, uh, might maybe hurt, you know, help or hurt the Bruins this year from the, the portal. Yeah, I mean, those were the two, uh, those were kind of the big departures. Austin Burton also, after the first day of spring, decided he was gone. He's uh, He was the, the second string quarterback last year. Um, I think he kind of saw the writing on the wall with Colson Yankoff looking playable um, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson clearly being Chip's guy. I think Burton saw, you know, I can play elsewhere, but I'm not going to play here, so why don't I get out while the getting's good? Um we talked about um, Theo Howard uh, taking off for Oklahoma. That was more or less midseason last year. Jordan Wilson, Matt Lynch, Josh Harris, Chris Murray. Um, all these guys out. Um, coming in, um, Britton Brown is probably one of the big names to know. He was a starting running back for Duke last year. Um, I think he got banged up in the season. Um, yeah, he did because he was on my fantasy team. Got to remember that. Um oh. But he's coming to UCLA. He's not there in the spring. Um, he might be there in the fall. And while they're they're trying to figure out how to replace Joshua Kelly, Brown having you know Power Five starting experience, he's going to be an option. He wasn't like a stud there, so I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to be the starter. Um, but he's probably one of the key additions um, in the transfer portal. Um, but other than that. Uh, you've got Obi Ebo, who was um, a cornerback at Stanford. Um, he's coming in. Uh, Contras Knight. Uh, who is at uh, Kent State. Um, he's coming in. He's a safety. So they're getting some transfers in the defensive back room um, and remains to be seen what they're going to look like. 
So Britton Brown potentially could be an impact newcomer. Any other mm-hmm. guys you think uh, could be like from the recruiting class or anywhere else? Hmm. Well, I think Britton Brown is probably the an obvious one at running back because he could eventually start. Um, looking at the recruiting class, you know, it's hard to say. It's going to be who emerges because there's a lot of options coming in at linebacker and they've got such an empty room there. Um, but we really only saw a few days of spring, so it's hard to know exactly who. Um, Shea Bryant-Struther, um, linebacker uh, from Georgia, he was in early. Uh, Mitchell Gude, who's a JC guy, um, he was in early. Uh, he could, you know, factor in at the uh, essentially the new rush end spot. Um, there's a variety of guys. I mean, they they took basically ten linebackers and they have four open starting spots. Um, so one of these guys is going to emerge, but it's really too early to say who's it going to who's who it's going to be. Um, but one guy I would watch out for is Logan Loya. Um, he's one of those kind of classic uh, receivers who's just you know kind of good at everything, kind of catch everything, runs really good routes, um, and those have found a fit. I mean, Kyle Phillips is kind of his um, you know. Uh, predecessor there um and he was able to you know find carve out a role as a freshman so i wouldn't be shocked if loya does as well um and damian sellers i should say that he's not in the spring um but he has the potential to really impact the pass rush um at outside linebacker so you talked about hey try to win at least four games um if you look at the schedule it's better oh no 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 try to win at least five okay let's let's continue incremental improvement more than four. All right. Yeah. Uh, there's no, like, Oklahoma on the schedule. It's New Mexico State at Hawaii, which, you know, now they lose their coach because he's up at uh, Washington State. But that's, a you know, not always easy place to play. At San Diego State, another one. Does he sort of play at San Diego State every year? Or is that a dumb imagining? No, no, no. They haven't played down there in a while, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, many years. Um, yeah. I thought they played, so they, they, the oh, they played in the Rose Bowl, maybe, yeah. Back in the uh, in the hopeful days, um, when UCLA first hired Chip Kelly, um, when everyone was looking at the schedules, they were like, "Okay, going to be a little bit tough the next two years, but it's setting up for a real run in 2020." Now, at that time, we didn't think a real run at six and six, but that's what I'm kind of thinking looking at the schedule. So, I think UCLA will break its streak. They will win a non-conference game under Chip Kelly. And by a non-conference game under Chip Kelly, I mean exactly one. Um, They will beat New Mexico State at home in the opener. Um, But Hawaii, that's going to be tough on the road. And then San Diego State on the road. Those are both going to be tough. Not going to be gimme games. Um, And then in conference play in, you know, in a sense, it's easy-ish because they don't get Washington or Oregon. They instead get Oregon State and Washington State. Um, but I really don't know. I mean, I think uh, Oregon State on the road. I mean, UCLA lost to Oregon State at home last year. Um, yeah. I'm looking at this, and I, unless UCLA drastically improves its quality of play, maybe the defensive scheme change plays a huge role. Maybe Chip Kelly actually goes to more elements of his blur offense now that he doesn't have 19 tight ends on the team. I don't know. Um, but based on what we've seen the last two years, I have a hard time seeing anything more than six and six. Well, the good thing is UCLA usually starts the season strong, right? Like they're usually yeah. come out of the get really Well, fast. and as I said, they're going to start really strong because they get New Mexico state first. 
If it yeah. was Hawaii and San Diego State first, then they would start 0-2. So Dave mentioned, so in 2018, uh, UCLA lost to Cincinnati at home, at Oklahoma, and then Fresno State at home. So start off 0-3. I think 0-5 ended up starting that season. And then last season, uh, lost on the road at Cincinnati, uh, lost to San Diego State at home, and then lost to Oklahoma at home. So, I, you know, it's one of those things you don't really think about. But Chip Kelly hasn't won a non-conference game. So this is very strange. You know, uh, it, it has to happen this year. you, you got to get a, at least one. And Does it, it should be 3-0, and right? Does it have to? It has to. It doesn't you have to. You can't lose to New Mexico State. You can. Some teams yeah. do every year, for the most part. I mean, 0 and 5, then 1 and 5, and that one win, like, was a the 67-63 win at Wazoo, the most unlikely of wins. Um, it's crazy, Dave. But that, I think, look at the schedule. You have to think that UCLA can go bowling this year. I, I, I mean, I guess you don't have to, but there's, there's. They, they, There's a good, good of a chance is it, it's a it's a possibility for sure. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think the over under for their wins, assuming Vegas ever gets set up again, is going to be like five and a half, six. It's not going to be much more than that. Yeah. Oof. Oh, and six in non-conference games. Well, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Is there something for UCLA fans or the rest of the Pac-12? Any kind of gut feeling about how you think things are going to go? If if they get going, obviously. Wait, what do you mean? I mean, do you like, feel like this is a, a team that, even though you're you're talking about the you know the kind of losses that they faced, uh, you know, whole new linebacker core, you know, studs like all those offensive studs gone, do you feel like people have bought in, or do you feel like this is going to be just a better UCLA team because it's the third year uh, with Chip. No, Kelly. no, <laughs> I don't. No, no, I think they're going to be just as bad. Uh, just in like maybe a new and different way, but no, they're going to be bad. Uh, it's just a question of what exact type of bad. I think the schedule sets up for them to maybe go six and six, but that's because the schedule softens, not because they get better. No, I. the The scenario where they get better is that the trend lines we all we've seen for the last two years all suddenly reverse inexplicably, which there's one reason to think they might, which is that the defensive scheme is changing and maybe somebody else besides Jerry Azanaro is going to have a role in calling the games. But everybody who's seen a failed head coach regime has seen this story before where you replace a coordinator and everyone thinks, okay, this is what's going to do it. And then guess what? It never does it. It never solves the problem. Um, no, I mean, what we're seeing in the program is systemic problems that are not going to be fixed. Um, why are the offensive linemen all getting lighter? Like, why why do they continuously get lighter? They should be getting bigger, stronger, heavier. Yeah. Like, these are the things that you want to hear about offensive linemen. Not, yeah, he's technically sound, but he's really light in his lower body. Talking about a guy who's in the two deep. That's not great. You don't want to no. hear that. I'm your three. Um, so no, I, I'm. I, I don't. I don't think there's much room for realistic optimism. Now, if you want to be optimistic, be optimistic. The schedule's pretty soft, and if they do make some improvements, they could go eight and four. But I just th- there's nothing on the field that makes me think that's happening. All right. Well, we'll see uh, what happens with the Bruins, and if we get to see them at all for the rest of spring football. How many pra- did they have? Like 
four practices or so, or how many did they get? Three. It might have been four. Yeah. Yeah. Before they uh, had to pack it up. Okay. Um, well, good stuff. Hey, David Woods, thanks for joining us. You know, we, we should have you on more often. Yeah, thanks, guys. It was it was great. It was great. <laughs> I wish I'd heard more from your co-host, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, all right, that's UCLA. Now we're going to switch over and talk some Oregon State with Angie Machado. All right, let's talk some Oregon State football. We got Angie Machado. She's the publisher for BeaverBlitz.com right here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Before I forget, Oregon State Beavers. We got to get that chainsaw in oh, there. Oh, the Follow chainsaw. It's so good. Follow her on Twitter at Angie Machado, M-A-C-H-A-D-O-1. Is that correct, Angie? You got the one at the end, right? I do have the one. I yeah. had Somebody else had Angie Machado. I, I don't know who that would be, but... There's more of us out there in the world, I guess. Apparently, yeah. There's a lot of people out there in the world. And we know Oregon State started spring football, got four or five practices in, but everything's on hold, as we've talked about. Uh, But we wanted to kind of get a feel for what uh, you saw out there from the Oregon State team and kind of what to expect uh, going forward. But so I guess to start with, anything, you know, interesting, you know, happened those first few practices you got to see? Yeah, we saw three. Uh, the Beavers were, you know, they kind of did the, do this broken up practice where they they start in um, early March and then they were taking a break this week for finals week, next week for spring break, and then are, we're supposed to come back and finish up the last three or the first three weeks of April. But uh, we saw three practices, and you know, the big storyline right now with the with the Beavers is the fact that they have to find a quarterback. So Jake Luton is gone. He's in the NFL draft, and uh, you know. It's not just an easy slam dunk that Tristan Jebbia is the guy. Um, he did play the Civil War and I think was impressed people with how he performed in that kind of last minute decision to start him in the Civil War. But uh, they in the offseason, they were able to grab a true freshman in Ben Goldbranson and also junior college from Saddleback College, Chance Nolan, who broke all the Saddleback's records this past year. And so, you know, I think a lot of people were excited about him expecting that Ben Goldbranson, who arrived early, arrived for winter term in January, would would be an automatic redshirt. But he actually really stood out to me over those first couple practices we could watch. A true freshman, good size, and really looked comfortable comfortable with the Beavers' offense, and, and along with the other two. And uh, you know, you'll talk to the coaches, and they said, "Don't count out Nick Moore, a walk on for the Beavers that has really impressed them." His older brother Matt Moore played for the Beavers. And UCLA back in the day, um, but Nick Nick is another one that um, kind of those four are the four in the rotation right now. That um, if you were to tell ask me right now who the quarterback would be, I would have to say Tristan Jebbia. But um, you know, I think the the idea is that these guys are going to push each other throughout the summer. I know uh, I was reading a little bit about Chase Nolan, and he's uh, apparently got a little bit of a dual threat ability. What? How do how do these guys compare skill set wise? Are they all seemingly a sim- similar fit to what Luton was in the offense? Were they bringing different elements? Yeah. So Chance Nolan, not Chase. Easy Chase. mistake. But, uh, Chance. Um, got it. But no, um, they. You know, none of these guys are going to be statue passers like uh, Jake Luton was. So, um, you know, for those that are used to seeing Oregon State with a Sean Mannion or a Jake Luton, um, all of these guys, I would feel comfortable escaping the pocket. They're not going to be um, necessarily um, running all the time, but they, we, they've shown that they can move the ball. They're comfortable if the pocket collapses. Uh, we're not going to see the, you know, just fall down in the fetal position like Beaver fans have seen in the past. So, um, you know, all, all of them 
quite honestly, even Ben Golbranson, I, I thought he was going to be more of that statue passer, but he looks comfortable, you know, moving in the pocket as well. The uh, losses on offense, like you talked about, you know, losing uh, Jake Luton and all six foot eight of him or however tall he is. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, obviously probably the, you know, he might be the best guy on the team, but maybe talk about him and some of the other guys uh, that, that, that Oregon State's got to replace on offense. Yeah, yeah. So Isaiah Hodgins declared early as a junior for the draft. He was the Beavers' leading receiver. Really kind of, you know, he's not a burner. He's not this guy that's going to, you know, go crazy with speed, but he did have um, just, he could come down with the ball. So he was, he's a huge loss, but, you know, one big concern, I think, a lot of Beaver fans that are paying attention have is the fact that the Beavers lost three offensive linemen, two of which were four-year starters. You lose left tackle uh, Blake Brandell, who started every single game for four years for the Beavers, and then you lose left guard um, Gus Lavaca, who also has started for four years. So um, those are two crucial pieces that we're going to say it's going to need to replace. Um, I, I see them really moving guys around. It's going to be um, you know, pick your five guys and line them up. So um, you talk to coaches, they're not super concerned right now. And, I, and they have some good pieces. I love Brandon Kipper. We might see him move from right tackle to left tackle, just depending on how things shake out. But um, there's some guys there. If Nathan Eldridge, who's a grad transfer from Arizona, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a threat at center as well. But, um, you know, those, those are kind of the big areas that Oregon State lost players. Now, defense, I mean, those guys – They've dominated those first three practices we saw. It was completely dominated by the defense, which is something we haven't been able to say about the Beavers for for several years now. Um, I, I want to touch on one more offensive thing, kind of the running back room, um, because Artavis Pierce is leaving and he was effectively worked out to a co-starter um, last year, but uh -huh. even the previous year. Um, what is in the water at Oregon State that they have they had three guys last year who were really good and BJ Baylor, Jamar Jefferson and Artavis Pierce. And how do you see that competition with Jamar Jefferson and BJ Baylor going this year? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, Oregon state has taken pride for years with some of their running backs. You know, you go back to the days of Steven Jackson, uh, Jaquiz Rogers you know, they've had some good ones the past 20 years. Um, and I really like coach Petrie, Michael Petrie, uh, former fullback at UCLA and his, just a fun guy to be around. He has, great he's the, now been named the recruiting coordinator for the staff and just really understands kind of what the beeves need and what they're looking for i mean getting jamar jefferson was a huge deal in that class they got him late and um has just you know he was he was kind of dinged up last year and didn't play a lot um and they had to rely more on on ap but um bj baylor has come out of nowhere um last spring was kind of his coming out party and um just seeing what he can do and then Jermar, like I said, then you add in a, a freshman All-American and um, everything that Jermar can do. I'm also excited to see what Calvin Tyler can do. He's going to be more of a you know, change of pace. He's, he's kind of a smaller, shiftier guy. But they also have Isaiah Newell coming in, who, you know, was rushing for three to 400 yards a game um, up in Northern California this past, past season as a, as a true freshman. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. They also have Teron Madison, who redshirted it last season, and, and we saw glimpses of what he could do in the return game last fall camp. So like you said, something in the water, um, but you guys know durability can be hard. And I know, you know, both AP had battled injuries, Jamar had battled injuries. So to keep those guys all healthy is going to be kind of the, the magic ticket. Angie, switch it over on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, some good linebackers returning. You know, really, I think you know probably front seven's pretty strong. Uh, I know you said it seems like it's going to be an improved defense. Could be a top half of the Pac-12. 
defense. Who do you like as uh, standouts there? And did you see anything interesting those first few practices? Yeah, I'm, I'm really anxious to see. So Oregon State uh, took to the transfer portal again, which is something they've done this past you know year and a half. Uh, they were able to pick up a transfer from Auburn. True freshman from Auburn had made it to Auburn fall camp for about three weeks before he decided he wanted to transfer. Charles Moore is his name, and I, I've heard amazing things about him as a defensive end. So I'm excited to see what he what he brings. I love Jordan Whitley as a D tackle. Um, I think this year he'll just be stronger. You know, he's a Juco guy um, last year, kind of learned on the fly, but could handle double teams pretty well. But the star of the defense has to be Hamilco Rashid. Um, Beaver fans, I think we're kind of holding their breath that he wouldn't declare and he's back. He's coming back for his senior year and um, just really has kind of solidified that defense. And it's like you said, it's really that front seven, but that linebacker crew is, is really good. Avery Roberts is, is the one of the middle linebackers there that should be one to watch. Addison gums is one that we'll be watching. He came back from an ACL injury at Oklahoma, transferred to Oregon state, finished rehab in game three. He tore the ACL again. So um, oh. we're anxious to see what he, he does um, because he has the potential to be a game changer for the Beavs. What do you think is uh, I, for the last two years? I mean, I think everyone has been really impressed with what Jonathan Smith's been able to get out of the offense. Um, what, what do you see as a successful season for this defense? Like what, what level do you think they can be a PAC 12 average defense this year with all that linebacker experience? Or is that, even still maybe a, a little bit too far off? Like just, I mean, obviously only three practices in the spring, but what are you seeing so far? Yeah, I, if they can keep healthy, um, and I like some of the additions, you know, the secondary has been kind of the big question mark, but this was a group, the secondary has been, they've actually had a new coach every year for the past, I think, four years. So um, going into the season, they're, they're having the same coach for the second year in a row. So that's huge for them going forward. Um, they hit the JUCOs hard. So how the secondary goes, I think, is kind of how the Beaver season goes. But um, this is the strongest depth and the strongest front seven I've seen the Beavers have in probably eight to ten years. So, wow. um, you know, this is a group that has – they they're sky high with confidence. You know, I, I ran into Hamilka – at signing day on signing day at a signing day thing that Oregon state did. And we were talking and I said, you guys could be really good. And I said, I, I'm thinking top half of the conference. And he laughed and he's like, our goal is top 10 in the country. I, I don't know if that's quite, you know, quite there, but, um, I know, Oregon State's really, you know. That's, I know, but you know, you got to have goals. So, but yeah, yeah. I, I kind of laughed at that. I'm like, okay, well, why don't we, we just shoot for a top half of conference. So um, I know their big, their big push this year is going to be actual takeaways. Last year it was stopping the run this year. They want to actually, you know, get some takeaways. And so that's something I think they'll be focusing on, you know, this off season, but there, the whole culture has changed under coach Smith. It's, it's so night and day different than how it was two years ago, even, um, you know, this is a team now that actually has some belief that they can win some games and um, they believe in the staff and it's it's a totally different mentality at Oregon State right now than it was a couple years ago. Yeah, you want to have that confidence. So that's good. Um, Tim Tibizar is still the defensive coordinator, right? Correct. Correct. OK, um, you talked about uh, Charles Moore coming over from Auburn. Uh, Trishon Harrison came over from Florida State, a um, couple potential impact players. Anyone else that was coming in and did it, did Oregon State lose any as far as the transfer portal goes? Uh, you know, because that's that's a big talk. It's sort of like free agency in college you know, football now. But any any losses? And then what do you think about Harrison? 
Yeah, Harrison's going to be interesting. You know, he's from the Northwest. He's a kid from Washington State, uh, went down with with Coach Taggart. And when Coach Taggart left um, Florida State, then he entered the portal, wanted to get closer to home. Um, I think he brings speed. I think Oregon State's wide receivers are going to be a lot faster this year than we've seen in the past. They will have some breakaway speed. You know, I hate saying this because I don't like bashing players at all, but um, yeah, they, they've lost some guys on the transfer portal, but they were guys that weren't playing and not seeing the field. So yeah. um, maybe addition by subtraction in a lot of ways. Like I said, no, no ill will to those guys that left. I mean, they're looking for playing time, um, but you know, they're going to the Montanas and, and such of the world. So that's, just maybe in a, in a league, maybe a little higher than what they were ready for. So um, I think it's worked out really well for Oregon State, the transfer portal. Um, you know, you get some guys moving on to programs that they can contribute more to and then finding some guys that maybe can help the Beavers with depth and uh, talent. So, um, yeah, nobody huge has left. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. No, um, you know, nobody of note. But then those two guys coming in, uh, Charles Moore from Auburn, Treshawn Harrison, they also picked up, he was a walk-on um, at Washington, but Trey Lowe, big-time running back out of Jesuit here in Portland, has um, walked on at Oregon State as well. So, um, you know, he's he's an intriguing one. Um, I don't know, you know, what I know he's battled injuries a lot, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he can crack, crack that uh, lineup at all or just be a really solid scout team player. Uh, last one from me. Um, looking at Jonathan Smith, what he's done so far there, he's 7-17, seven and 17, which is actually identical to Chip Kelly's record at UCLA, and UCLA fans are ready to um, <laughs> more or less ride him out on a rail. Whereas, I mean, I test-wise, I mean, Jonathan Smith's doing a great job, at least from my perspective, at Oregon State, and clearly has him on the upswing. But I'm wondering, what's the mood of the fan base? You know, it is two losing seasons in a row, but obvious improvements. So I'm wondering, how how's... How's the the mood in in Beaverland about about Jonathan Smith? Uh, they're happy. You know, this is a I, I I kind of ventured back to the fact that this was a team that's been broken. I mean, I can when was the last winning season the Beavers have had? Last bowl game was I think 2012. Is that right? Mm-hmm. 2000. So, I think so. Um, it's it's been a long time. So, um, you know, this is a team that I I can't even emphasize enough how broken the team was from a culture standpoint when Gary Anderson left. I mean, here's a coach, a head coach that quit on them like a third of the way through the season, just quit up and left. So, um, you know, that really hurt them. Um, it's a team that was, they had infighting. The locker room was not, not a good place. A lot of them didn't even like playing football anymore. They just wanted to to quit. So when Jonathan Smith came in and had that to look at, um, to where it is now, where these, these guys do feel like a brotherhood, their family, um, the smiles, you see them on practice and they're actually smiling and having fun. And, um, now, that being said, I think Beaver fans in the back, they might not say publicly, but I think they've kind of penciled that this is, they want to see a bowl game this year. Now they're not saying Rose bowl, but um, this is a year they think the Beavs could do it. I mean, you look at a couple losses last year that could have gone either way and, and the Beavs could have been bowling in, in 2019. So, um, you know, that Washington game, Washington state game, I'm sorry, kind of stands out as a, as a painful, painful loss, but um, I think Beaver fans are, are happy. You know, there's talk that the stadium's going to be, you know, the, they're going through the process of renovating that old side of the stadium. And uh, there's there's a lot of enthusiasm, I think, going around the program right now. So the last thing for me, too, Angie, to get to a, a bowl game, the schedule's not looking great uh, as far as out of conference. you got to go to Oklahoma State, um, you know, Colorado State at home and Portland State at home. You know, Colorado State, I guess, could be a little feisty. 
Uh, in the South, you miss USC, but you play the two other top contenders for the Pac-12 South on the road, Arizona State and Utah, and you also miss uh, Colorado. So it's, uh, I mean, it's definitely a daunting. There's a lot of tough road games, you know, at Washington as well. Um, yeah. At Stanford, probably you know won't be as difficult, but you know, look. I don't know if you looked at the schedule yet. Does it look like it's you know navigatable to 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 get to a bowl game for Oregon State? Yeah, I mean it's going to be tough. I mean honestly, you know, you look at that at that schedule, and I mean I think the good news is I I think there's a lot of questions when you look around the Pac-12. I th- I think there's um, you know not that Oregon is down by any means, but they're going to be replacing a lot of a lot of players. So. A lot of key players and and civil wars at home, so you never know with that one. Um, you know UCLA always going to be tough, um, but they have to come up to Corvallis, Washington, Washington State. It, it'll be interesting. Washington State with a whole new coaching staff. It'll be interesting. But I, after Oregon State's kind of recruit gate or whatever, where they sent mail inviting Hawaii players to a camp, um, I think Rolo is going to be out for blood on that one. But um, yeah, Cal, I mean Cal's improved, but I, I think you look at the the schedule and. No team, I think, is like super scary, but no team should be considered an easy win either. Fair point. All right, Angie Machado, we don't know what's going to happen. Will we see more Beaver spring football, any Pac-12 spring football? We don't know at this point. Um, we're hoping that the season isn't interrupted. Uh, that would be a shame, especially because you always have the good games. The Pac-12 has a lot of great games that first week. You wouldn't want yeah. it to be... Uh, you know, was it Washington, Michigan? Is that right? And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Oregon and uh, Ohio State, Ohio State Oregon Ohio State. State. Yeah, Oregon State's yeah. playing Oklahoma State, like we said. USC's playing Alabama. Like, there's plenty of good games. And we don't UCLA's want to see playing New Mexico State. True. Yeah. No. No. We would not no want to miss that. I wonder if could they be. could, like, they could average, like, say you have to miss two weeks. They'll let you average out your first three and like you pick one like the best one so like if you're playing new mexico state but you're also playing oklahoma later you can get rid of that one and play oklahoma yeah, just, you could just pick pick who you're playing yeah i gotta like I, that but i don't know I'm, I'm more concerned about like my sanity that my kids are going to be home for, for all this time yeah well be uh be safe up there and uh, you we too, do appreciate guys. you coming on thanks for uh joining us it was a little you know brevity talk some some pac-12 footballs so we appreciate it, angie no problem anytime you guys stay safe thanks angie all right, great stuff from Angie and that guy David in the other segment talking UCLA. Um, do you feel more informed now, David, about UCLA and uh, Oregon State football? I feel less informed about UCLA listening <laughs> to that dumbass. Um, but Angie, no, she always brings the thunder. Always brings the noise, brings the thunder. Corrects us when we you know, say somebody's first name wrong. Like, she's got it all. Brings it she, all. She, she's got it. Um, no, it's good stuff. She does a great job covering the beeves. I'm hoping that the beeves are going to be a little bit better. I mean, both those teams, uh, you want to see them be able to, to, to make a bowl game. Um, but I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I think the defense is going to be better. It seems like they've built things up pretty well there at Oregon state, you know, slow progress every year. You know, who knows? We'll see what happens. It's could be wide open in the pac 12 or, or it could, could just thump everybody. I don't know. Um, we talked about the top of the show. We just don't have a lot of questions today. Like, yeah, people people really failed us. Uh, they did. We have a Hitler Day one, and I think it's a Navajo statement or something, and it's it's like some kind of mountain retreat or something like that. 
it's T S E B I I N D Z I. No, 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 none of that. None of that. You give that a shot. You you try to pronounce that. It's uh, I'm gonna say it's C B Nizgali or something. Or there's no L in there. I I mean, there's like just consonants and vowels next to each other, and I don't know. Great is to write that you you know you know he like had to consult and double check like several times to make sure he was spelling this correctly. Yeah. It's some kind of like deserty, like mountainous, you know, like on a step or something. Some kind of monument valley. Monument, okay, monument valley, something like that. Um, okay. So that's Hitler Day. So he's writing in this. So, and I, this is about because we had Arizona and Utah last week. So that's what it's referring to. He said maybe by coincidence, or maybe because it's the Pac-12. Both Dan Sorensen and Jason Shearer last week pointed out that Utah and Arizona's offensive lines were the weakest links on the teams they cover. They both both expressed optimism that those lines would improve since each returns four out of the five starters. I'm skeptical. Hitler is skeptical. This, so this is breaking news. Hitler is skeptical. It's something that somebody said breaking news. on our podcast. Yes. Uh, both writers seem to think that returning a lot of experience would make a bad line turn into a good one. I'm not sure I've ever seen that happen. I've seen a good line become a great one. Uh, after a lot of reps together, but I don't think playing time changes a guy's frame, mentality, or raw talent. What do you think of the general proposition that a bad line tends to stay bad? What do you think, Dave? That's number one. Um, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think making a bad line into a good one takes more than just a year. Um, I think you can do that with a few years, like I wouldn't say, you know, Angie was talking about the Oregon state line and I wouldn't say the Oregon state offensive line was any great shakes three years ago, but you get a guy who starts every game for three straight years, going to figure out something by that final year. Um, so I think you can do it over the long term. I just don't know about bad year to good year. Um, yeah. So I think, um, I think you're probably right in that from a year to year angle, it's, more likely that it stays bad or only trends up a little bit. Um, but I think it, uh, on the long run, if you, if you're starting to say a bunch of freshmen, um, I think they can turn out, uh, pretty good, even if they start pretty bad. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, and he says, number two, in between peons to the two way street of access journalism, you boys suggested that it's not Herm Edwards fault that ASU's offensive line going into year three will be filled with transfers and low-rated recruits. The same will be true of Kevin Sumlin's line at Arizona, should he be graded on the same curve. Um, well, I, I think there was something specific about the... I think the question was something specific about Herm Edwards and blame him for you know the way the offensive line looked or something. I The way it was structured. It wasn't like... I don't think it was just as simple as uh, they're going to have some transfers and low-rated recruits on the line. It, I think it was more about like the the way the classes were set up or something. If I remember, it, well, I don't I don't remember us answering that question specifically, but it was more about the overall structure and I think where guys fit in their classes. If I remember it, correctly, well, the, the reality I, I know a little bit more about ASU's offensive line situation than Arizona's, so I don't know enough to opine on on someone's um, recruiting on the offensive line. I know for for Herm at ASU, Zach Robertson had a weird personal issue, so he was gone for the entire year, and they were counting on him to start. 
And then I think their starting center like broke his foot right before the start of the year, which made their whole situation kind of screwed up. Now, that doesn't solve for their depth this year. And I think, you know, anybody who's in their third year has to take some blame for the state of the depth chart. But there were some mitigating circumstances with the offensive line this past year. Um, And I think the Robertson thing um, definitely does put a put a blow going forward on, you know, they they were counting on him to be a an anchor last year. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know. And really anything at all beyond um the general but someone's right. line at arizona that's what you when we have the experts on that's what it's for because if you know okay well here's the reason they brought in for say something about they had uh, low-rated recruits they had bigger names on the board and uh one guy flunked out of school he didn't get into school whatever it is like if you, you there'd be reasons behind certain things and we're not going to know all that stuff all the details of the last three years of how they formed that offensive line. So we, that's where we're going to rely on the people we bring in, the experts we talk to. Uh, three, if it's too soon to judge the new coaches on their poorly performing offensive lines, what's Kyle Whittingham's excuse? In year 15 as Utah's head coach, in year nine in the Pac-12, he was fielding, as Sorensen lamented, three freshmen and a true sophomore in his seven-man rotation. After losing their left tackle to graduation in 2020, their starters will be four middling three-stars, uh, averaging 0.8379 in the 24-7 sports composite. And a four-star Juco played exactly four drives against Washington last year and was pulled for ineffectiveness. Do you share Sorensen's faith that the line will dramatically improve? Well, so I, I think you're... Well, so two things going on here. One, um, in any sequence of 15 years as a head coach you're not going to have a stacked and experienced offensive line in every single year so first it doesn't you don't build on it like year 14 is way better than year 12 and then year 16 is way better than like it doesn't build like that you have to there's constant turnover so second have there been a bunch of utah offensive lines that have had like stacked four and five stars aren't they always like a bunch of middling three stars who overperform yep it's utah i mean it's not like they're recruiting at like a top 20 level I, I don't know. That, that critique seems odd. I, uh, Utah's yeah. offensive line was the obvious weak link last year on a team that should have done better. Um, I thought Sorensen's, I thought his, his critique was correct of that, and it could improve. I mean, I don't know. I, again, judging offensive line play, I saw that it was bad last year, but I don't know, you know, what's going on in the weight room and all that kind of stuff. Like, Judging off-season offensive line improvement, that's really is the province of beat writers and people who are around the program. Like, I don't, yeah. I have no idea. I mean, I'm sure, uh, to your point from earlier, bad lines don't go to good just overnight, but will there be incremental improvement? Will some guys make a jump? Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Bradley and I, what was he? He was a three-star. I mean, I, I, I bet you if you go back and look at the last, few guys that were drafted from Utah's offensive linemen and Utah did put nine guys in the the combine. I bet you those offensive linemen are all three-star guys. So um, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but that's, that's been their MO. So I wouldn't just look at it like, Oh, they got three stars in the offensive line. They're going to be bad. Like that's what he does. That's what Utah does. That's been their identity. Um, yeah. Places like USC and UCLA, they bring in the four and five star guys and they underperform. That's their identity. Utah is to bring in, underrated guys and make them way better. That's just what they do. Yeah. All right. This is from Al. Half speed professionalism. 
David and Ryan, I just listened to the POC en- intro at half speed, and I must say the only professional voice I heard was Pete Arbogast. Everyone else sounded drunk, with my favorite being Ryan's podcast of champions. Classic. <laughs> uh, with no March Madness, I've revor- resorted to listening to old POCs. Hearing Dave say- saying nice things about Jim Mora and so looking forward to Chipper is almost as good as Ryan praising Clay Helton's coaching and so looking forward to playing Alabama and Texas in 2016 and 18. So fun listening to such optimism. Sorry, I just had to include that. Now to my question. Who's going bowling this year? Stanford or the Beavs? That's uh, Al. Well, maybe we should. Yeah, that's sorry. That's Al from Crown Point Country, Columbia River Gorge. All right. So let's actually go through and let's say whether we think. Don't even look at schedules. I don't want you to consult anything. Just okay. pack 12 teams. Who's going bowling and who isn't? All right. So we're going to start with Arizona. I'm going to say no. No bowl. ASU. Yeah. You'd say yes. Yes. Yes, bowl. Uh, UCLA. <sighs> because you talked me out of it, I'm going to say no. No bowl. USC. I think they, they approve by one game. They'll go from three wins, four wins, to five wins. Beautiful. USC. Yes, U- USC will go to a bowl, yes. Yes. Colorado. I think there's too much turmoil. I think Colorado's not going to go to a bowl. No bowl. Utah. Utah go to a bowl. Yes. But tentative, yes. They could take a real step back this year. Uh, California. California will go to a bowl, yes. I will agree. Stanford. Stanford will not go to a bowl. No bowl. There's Oregon. just something something in the water in Palo Alto right now. Yep. O- Oregon, Oregon will go to a bowl, yes. Oregon will go to a bowl. Oregon State. I want to say yes, but my my heart says yes, my brain says no. I'm going to go with my brain and say no. I will also go with a no, but it'll be a no of five and seven again. Like, I think they're going to be, again, pretty quality, but I'm worried about quarterback, worried about not having a go-to wide receiver, worried about those offensive line changes, and I'm worried the defense won't quite step up to make up for the offense dropping down to more like top 30 level. So, yeah. I'll say no, but I'm willing to be surprised, and I will obviously be rooting for the Beavs, as I always do, as a lifelong Beavers fan. Yeah. Um, Washington. Yes. Bowl yes. game. Washington State. I think they're going to make a bowl game, yes. I think so, too. Okay. Is that it? That's all of them? I think that's probably fair. I think that, you know, that makes sense. So, okay, but the question was... We said no to both Stanford or the Beavs. If you have to pick Beavs, one, Beavs have a better chance. Yeah, I would say the Beavers definitely do. Um, Stanford did have a you know a top recruiting class, and uh, but so many guys left, and I know not all of them were impact guys, but there were some impact guys. Something just doesn't seem to be right. There's something amiss at Stanford. I don't know what it is. When we talked to RJ, he made it sound like you know. Shaw was untouchable, but you know, sometimes you might need to make some changes if things are really falling off and we, you know, they fell off last year, but is it like, was that a a bottom? Are you at the bottom or is it still going to be falling? Are you going to be, is that the, where Stanford's going to be going forward? And uh, I'm leaning more towards that's where Stanford's going to be going forward. And that's, it's not a good thing where, you know, to go from 
playing in all these big bowl games to missing bowl games consistently. So you hope they can turn it around, but I'm not betting on it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So. Agreed. But thanks, Al. Uh, Crown Point County. Don't know where that is. Where was that? Where's the Columbia River Gorge? Uh, Oregon. It's in Oregon. All right. Uh, good stuff. So, yeah, with Beavs. We'll pick the Beavs over Stanford for that one, which is hard to. Yeah. I can't believe we yeah. said that, but you did. Yeah. Well, uh, well hey. Stanford. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, good stuff, uh, David. Thanks to our guests also, uh, David Woods, talking <laughs> UCLA, and Angie Machado, talking Oregon State. Uh, next week, let me look it up real quick. I'll tell you who we got. So we did Arizona State, Stanford, Utah, Arizona. We just did Oregon State, UCLA. Next week, we have scheduled Cal in Oregon, they both started uh, in early March also. So we'll get a little bit from them about what we saw. And then after that, will be USC. They had one practice. And Colorado did not start before the shutdown. So you won't hear it from Colorado. And then we'll end with Washington State and Washington. And uh, they wouldn't have even started yet if it was right, if it was normal. Washington wasn't scheduled to start until April 1st. Um, so... Yeah. Do you know the rules for spring football? Like when those 15 practices have to be completed? I'd assume it's during. No, you're our friggin' spring practice correspondent. I don't know the rules of spring practice. Come on. Get yeah, out of here I with that. Kind of a dumb question because you don't, there's not a lot you know about those things. No. Um, well, I would. asking me so questions what I, about knowledge. Well, okay. Cause the point is, like, does spring practices have to be you know, start like finished by like June or something. Say it's June 1st. I don't even know if they've gone into May because May you start the evaluation period. Um, so it might be sometime in May. I don't know the specific rule, but from the people I talk to, college football people, it sounds like the NCAA is already, you know, being flexible about stuff. If somehow things were able to start up again and you could delay spring practice, I think that would be an option, you know, um, it'll if it just happened. be an extended, it, it'll be an extended fall camp. Nothing's going to start until June at the earliest, earliest. And a lot of things, a lot of entities are canceling stuff in June right now because the expectation is that this thing's going to last at least two months. Yeah. So, there's, I think the Kentucky Derby canceled stuff in May. Um, I haven't heard as much in June, but yeah, maybe it's, it's a, I, combined I had a bunch of, work. I had a bunch of work conferences scheduled for late June that have been canceled because, Nobody's going to book it first, but also odds are this is going to go for a while. I mean, in China, they went on lockdown in like mid-January and they're just now starting to start things up again and not quite fully. And kids are still going to school remotely. So that's two months and that's with an authoritarian state shutting down literally everything. We're not there. We're probably not going to get there. Um, so no, I, I, I can't imagine it's going to be anything less than three months for us. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, but yeah, we'll keep you guys update, you know, updated on what's going on. We'll, we'll kind of give you previews for each school that would be for the spring, but obviously that won't be potentially no spring football for some of the schools, but we'll do all that. And then, uh, we'll kind of roll along. We'll figure out what we want to talk about. I mean, by, you know, we'll be done with these in three weeks. So like in a month. I'm not sure what we'll talk about, but send us in your questions. Um, we, don't, we, we don't know. A lot of, a lot of things are going to change in the next three weeks. So we'll, uh, we'll see where we are 
and uh, and kind of go from there. But thanks for sticking with us, and hopefully we can provide a little bit of entertainment. I mean, that's kind of what we're here for, Dave. Because oh yeah, people are bored. They're in their homes. They need something to do. We're watching Netflix. Do you have a favorite like Netflix show you're watching or anything? Or no, I haven't gotten into that yet. I've got a, I've got a like. I don't know if you've had this issue, but like being home all day, I've really got to organize my time. Like I've got to set yeah. a schedule or something because it's just otherwise it's just this long, unbroken, expansive time of just being inside, which feels like the worst, like the worst part of summer when you're a kid, when you're just kind of like bored, you've done everything, you've hung out with your friends enough and you're just kind of at home and you're like, I've got nothing to do. This actually sucks. Yeah. That's where it kind of is right now. Like, I need to, like, schedule time. And I think I need to, like, I need to find something that has, like, 15 seasons and just be like, okay, I'm going to do that for two hours every night or whatever. Did you do Breaking Bad? You haven't done yeah, that I've, one? Yeah, I've done that one. Um, maybe okay. I'll start Better Call Saul. I, yeah, I just, uh, I you know, I watched it for a while and then I, I kind of stopped and now I got it again. And uh, so I'm almost caught up. I think I'm one episode behind. But, I yeah, I've watched the last couple of seasons recently. Um, I watched Mindhunter on, uh, Mine on Netflix. good, but they canceled it, right? Did they? I think they canceled it. Oh man. That maybe, sucks. maybe I'm, maybe I'm reporting fake news. Maybe I'm the lying new news media. Let me see. I just finished season two, so I don't know when that was, but there, there's so many good shows out there. Um, you know, that people talk, talk about. So I guess you get an opportunity, but you're same thing. Like I don't have kids running around, so it's more about me organizing my work versus, you know, other stuff you want to do. But I try to spend time at night just kind of watching some TV or something and and getting yeah. away from all stuff. Yeah, I need to do that. I need to do that. Well, you got the, and we got this. We got this show too. So this beautiful show. This beautiful it show. is. All right. Well, that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast of Champions, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.